Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So it was one year since the day when he had lost his job. He was the keeper of the stream. His job was to keep the stream clear of debris, branches, and leaves that the stream that flowed into the valley would provide clear water and clean water for the people. You see, there was this village that was up in the mountains, and it, it, was, it had this stream that ran through it, and that stream provided everything that village needed. It was clean for fishing, and it was perfect for drinking, and the animals loved it, and the trees were the fullest they'd ever been. But one night, like most nights, and in smaller towns, they would have this night that was the town hall meeting, and And in that meeting, they had looked over their budget, and they saw this line item titled the stream keeper, and they looked at the finances saying, why do we pay him so much? Well, and the younger people, they looked, and they looked at the budget, and they said, but we really want to do these new things in our town. We really would like to have new parks and new lights and all these other things, so why don't we cut that budget? So the stream keeper got a letter and said, hey, thank you so much for your service, but we are going to let you. And so, over that next year, the stream continually got dirtier and dirtier. As more branches would fill the water, and water would become dammed, and one stream would die, and another stream would die. And the townspeople started noticing that the animals were sparse and were no longer coming, that fishing was terrible, and the people started moving out of their town. And one night they had a town hall meeting and they looked and they said, why are things going so bad? What, what is happening? Why is our stream dying? And an elder of the town spoke up and he said, do you remember last year when we let go of the stream keeper? And they said, yes. And he said, you see, his job was to care for our stream. His job was to be sure that our stream flowed as clear and as smooth as possible, but you let him go. And they said, do you know where he is and do you know who he is? And he said, yes, I do. They said, will you please tell him we'd like to hire him back? And he told them, he says, yes, I can, but you must understand that he won't fix it in a day. You see, for many of us, our stream, our soul is like that stream that we have cut off. We have not cared for it. We've allowed branches and leaves and dirt and mud and rocks to clutter our soul, to ruin the inner us, to ruin this place in us that we call our heart, that we call our conscience, that we call our soul. It goes by so many different names, yet we have cut off the payment for it. We have said, we don't need you anymore, and we wonder, why does our soul feel so alone? See, just like that town that didn't realize the soul keeper, even though they never saw him, had one of the most important jobs, same as our soul keeper. We may never see him, but he has one of the most important jobs. And I ask you today, as we start a new series titled Soul Cycle, I ask you, how is your soul? 
Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. And God, I thank you that you are a good God who desires great things for us. And Lord, I know that many of us, we come today, we feel like our soul is cluttered. We feel like our soul is busy. Maybe for some of us, we feel like our soul is dead. But Lord, we ask for new life, clean life, fresh life in our soul, Lord, today. God, I pray for people as they're at churches all over the valley, going to church. Some are out of necessity. Some are, Lord, just out of, they feel like they have to. Lord, I pray that you would meet your people in a special way, God, like only you can. And Lord, I ask that you would meet them whether they're at CCV or whether they are at Calvary or whether they're at New City. Lord, I ask that you would speak to your people. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us at City View this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning we start a new series titled Soul Cycle. You see, I think many of us, we don't care for our soul like we care for other things. For many of us, there are other things that get more important. You see, in life, we do a lot of self-care, not soul care. We do a lot of self-care in, in, in things like our health. We care for our health. We watch what we eat. We track our intake. We even weigh it out, don't we, some of us who really are into that. And maybe our fitness, we come up with a routine. We journal it. We want to grow, and we make time for it, don't we, when it comes to our fitness? Or maybe our finances. We have portfolios. And we make sure that everything is lined up. We plan for the future. We take risks. We save for it. We even look daily, how is, is the Dow up or is it down? And we are so faithful to track that. Or maybe your education or your career. We research companies and careers. We study. We meet with advisors and counselors to make sure that we get the best job, the best career. We do that in all things, yet not our soul. You see, what are we doing for the inner us? How much time or care does it get? Do we realize that some of the things, that so many things that we do affect our soul? You see, I don't think many of us realize the things that we do on the outside affects the inner you on the inside. We don't realize it. Yesterday I was talking to, or this morning I was talking to a friend and he was telling me, he goes, I have a really bad headache this morning and I think it's because of all the sugar I ate last night at the hoedown because there were cookies. You saw some outside. Cookies galore. And he realized, wait a minute, I'm not used to eating all that sugar and with all of that sugar, it's affecting my health. He correlated those things. But why is it we don't realize that maybe the conversation, the gossip that we were in last night is affecting our spiritual, our soul state this morning? We're not realizing that the music we listen to on our way to church is affecting the state of our mind this morning as we try to worship. We, maybe we don't realize that the movie we watched is affecting our soul this morning. You see, I don't think we're tying the things on the outside that are affecting our inside, the soul that is in us, the soul that is craving good things Yet we're, we're, we are damning it and we are d making debris and all of these things inside it that are causing it to die. You see, I think many of us care more for our fitness, our health, our 401ks, our careers, and we don't put any time into our soul. And we wonder, why is it I feel so good on Sunday, but Monday I have a crash? Well, it's because it's like that shot of adrenaline that you get and it doesn't keep you, it crashes you because you have a soul that is craving something fresh. Each and every one of you have a soul inside you that is craving something. 
You see, we live in a world that, that is craving something new. We live in a world that is looking to heal the inside us, and we do it through whatever kind of things we do, but it's not getting what we want. And so this, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at Psalm 37, and David gave us sort of a pattern of how to care for our soul in Psalm 37. This is our pattern. This is a cycle to have that we must trust in God. And as we trust in God, we can delight in him. And as we delight in him, we commit our way to him. And as we are trusting in him, delighting in him, and committing our way to him, then you know what we find? We find rest for our soul. We find rest. But if one of these things is out of whack, guess what? Your soul gets out of whack. So what we're going to be doing is over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at trusting in God today. Next week, delighting in him, committing your way to him, and then ending on rest. And how can we have a healthy soul? So if you turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 this morning. And it says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. David here first in verses 1 and 2 says this. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious towards wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. So about the beginning of October towards the end of September I shut the water off for my grass. Does anybody know why I did that? You have to kill your grass so that you can plant winter grass. It, it doesn't take too long for your grass to die when it's not getting water. It's amazing how quickly it withers. You see, so many of us, the, one of the beginning problems with our soul, and we wonder, why is my soul diving? It's be, dying. It's because we are craving what everybody else has. We are craving what our neighbors have, what our classmates have, what our roommates have, what, what, what the other people that we see. We're craving this. We're craving that. We're going, why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? And we're craving these things. And, and David says, I have all those things. And guess what they do? They wither and they die. He goes, I get you crave it. He goes, I have it. I'm the king. I'm the king. And, and one day he's going to be known as the, the, the best king Israel ever had. And he says, I had it all. And it, this is what all does. It all withers and dies. He says, don't pursue those things. But our soul, our soul knows it has a need. Our soul knows it needs something to fill that. And you look at society, you look at all these things in life, and it's telling you, you need this. It's telling you, if you have better fitness, you'll be healthy, you'll be happier in life. If you have this, you'll be better. It tells you all these things. But guess what? People still have an inner craving. They they know that they still need something. And you have it. It's Jesus. Jesus who heals our soul. And so David says, here's the solution. Here's the solution to having a healthy soul cycle. Here's the solution to having a healthy soul. And it's found there in verse 3 through 7. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth righteousness as the light and judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him um, who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. This week we're going to be looking at verse 3, trusting in the Lord. This is the first step in having a clean and good soul cycle for the inner you. You see, the people in that small town, in that mountain, they didn't trust the soul keeper. They, they didn't see what, what good things he was doing because it was way up in the mountains where he was. He was way up in the mountains where people didn't see him. They didn't know him. They didn't even know his real name. They just called him the soul keeper guy or the, the stream keeper. That was, that was his name. He did, they didn't know. So they didn't realize the good he was doing for the entire town. They didn't realize the good he was doing until the bad had been done. You see, what had happened is after the many, after the one year that the streams were not taken care of, it took years to clean the streams back up. So some of you might be going, I want to clean my soul. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. You see, I have this thing on top of my fridge right now. It's called this big plastic container, Costco-sized thing of M&Ms. I bought it for the cookies that my wife made, monster cookies or whatever they're called. And she said, well, if I would have known it was that big, I would have just said I'd buy it at Fry's. I didn't know. I just bought what was there. And let me tell you, I grab just like 10 at a time. How many times a day? I don't know, but 10 at a time. The more I build up on those, guess what's going to happen? We probably should give them away thinking about it right now. Those aren't good to have in my home. But you see, the the buildup that happens is going to be bad for me. This morning, my son Joel, I love him to death. And he said, Daddy, when you don't have your shirt on, you're big. But when you put a shirt on, it's like. (laughs) Truth. I mean, have a second born. If you only have two kids, get a third. So you make your middle one, your middle one, and then you get the truth. Um, That's just how that works. If you only have two, you you were never going to get the full truth. You need to have that middle child. Um, Well, I don't know if that's true, but I'm just, I'm like, thanks, thanks, Joel. But you see, that's build up. I, I can go work out and I can start working out and I can start running. And the thing is, when I was in my 20s, if I cut out sugar in a week and I go running for a week, guess what happens? I lose pounds galore. It's an amazing thing. I'm like, yes, honey, I lost 15 pounds. She goes, what'd you do? I cut out candy bars and I went running one day. She's like, I hate you. Now at 41, I stop eating candy and I somehow still gain weight. Because it doesn't change overnight. Same with your soul. So David says this in verse 3. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and cultivate faithfulness. It all starts with trust. That's where the soul cycle starts. It starts with what are you trusting in? Trusting in God or trusting in something else? I think many of us, when we get stuck, when we're in a place that we don't like, when, when our soul gets contaminated, we isolate ourselves. We feel bad. We, we know we've been doing things we shouldn't do, so we isolate ourselves, and, and we don't talk to others. We don't go to others, and that's a bad thing. That's a bad place to start. We can't look at the past good because of the bad that's in front of us. David wrote this because David gets the struggle. 
David understands this point of going, I get when my soul's not right. And here's what I do. He says, I trust. I trust in God. And he gives us this pattern here. He says, he says, if you want to have a healthy soul, it starts with trust. And then he says, then do good. It feels good to your soul when you do good for others, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good when you do good for others? Anybody else, like, when you've done something nice, it's like there's something good inside you. When you can help a family for Christmas, or you go and you volunteer, you're the, you know, the, maybe the, I, I've, I have neighbors that need help occasionally, and when I go and help them, it just feels good. It feels good doing something for other people. Well, according to a Mayo study, it says that's actually true. Doing good helps your soul. Doing good, one, it connects you to others. See, many times what happens is when we feel bad, we isolate, and all of a sudden we become so isolated that it just the soul starts eating away at itself. So when you volunteer, when you're doing good, it connects you to others. That gets you outside of yourself. It's good for your mind and body when you volunteer. It helps you in your career advances. It's good for you financially. Volunteer, volunteering somewhere. I know, I know of guys who volunteered with the fire department, and all of a sudden, the more they got their face in front of those guys, they said, hey, you know what? We see you here. We want to offer you a job. When they take a test, all of a sudden somebody speaks up for them and say, I like that guy. I like that girl. We should offer them something. We see them here all the time for free. Volunteering can help you. Volunteering brings fun and fulfillment to your life. Volunteering decreases the risk of depression. Volunteering gives you a sense of purpose and teaches us valuable skills. Volunteering, doing good is good for your soul. So David says, trust in God, do good. And then he says, dwell in the land. We can sometimes be so quick to move from one thing to another. We can jump from one thing to another. We jump from, from job to job to job, relationship to relationship to relationship, degree to degree to degree. We're like, oh, I'm a change. I'm changing what my major is. I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing. And we jump, we jump, we jump. And some of those times, it's, it's not totally bad. But sometimes we become fishers of, men, uh, fishers of people or fishers of, of careers or fisher, fishermen of ideas. Sort of like my kids are fishers of fish. You see, I take my kids fishing. You know what they do? They cast their line, pull it in. They cast their line, they pull it in. They cast their line, they pull it in. And they wonder, Dad, why don't we catch anything? I go, because you have to wait. Give it five minutes. The fish aren't even fast enough to see what you have on the line. Let it sit. Let it sit for five minutes. But many of us, we move from one thing to another to another, and we wonder, why isn't it clicking? God says, dwell. Just dwell. Stay where you are for a minute and see what happens. And then he says, cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate means to feed on. It means to dig up. It means to get into. It means, it means to, to dive as much as you can into faithfulness or into the truths of God is what David writes. Cultivate faithfulness. It, it, David, in this one verse, he says, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness. As he says cultivate faithfulness, he's bringing us back to the truth. He's bringing us back into this place of trusting. It's this cycle even in one verse. It's this, it's this trust in God, do good, dwell in the land, cultivate, believe in the faithfulness, believe in the truths, trust in God. But for some of us, that's the hardest part in life is the trust. Many of us, maybe we like the thought of God. Maybe we even love God. And we really love, there's something about Sunday mornings that it just feels super good. 
but to fully trust God with our life, to really trust him, that's tough. You see, and I'm not talking about trusting God with your soul, with your soul like salvation. I'm talking about trusting God with your day-to-day. And I'll tell you the truth, I struggle with that all week long this week. Just trusting in God and in who he was, trusting in God. I struggled this week. And in, in many times what comes, what I get to share with you is what God's worked in me all week long. And it stinks. Because I failed lots of times this week in trusting him. God's like, Jeremiah, you're preaching on trusting in me. You didn't think I was going to test you in it this week? I'm like, well, I, no, I didn't. Because I thought I would just share about, Pat. I always trust in you. He's like, yeah, but you got to trust in me in this. I was like, ah, it's tough. So I'm going to give you five practical ways of building your trust in God. Five practical ways of building your trust in God. And these things helped me this week. These things helped me. It helped me in my prayer life. It helped me as I move forward, as I looked at different situations where I'm like, okay, God, I got to trust you in this. I got to trust in you. And the first one is this. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge him. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Look at creation around you. Look, look, just look at the things outside and can you at least admit and maybe see there's something bigger than me out there. That's all, that's all I really, some of you, you're, you're, the whole God thing, that's tough for you to even grasp. What I'm asking you to say, can you at least go outside and say there's gotta be something bigger? My wife this week went to the eye doctor and, and as she, her and the eye doctor were having this conversation and she had told them how she had always, she'd always loved the study of the eye and he asked her why. I'm rhyming like I'm a Dr. Seuss book. Um, and, she, and he asked her why, and she said, well, it's because look at the complexity of the eye. When you look at all that the eye does and the complexity of it, it just proves there has to be a God. There has to be a God. When you look at what the eye does, and I don't know how many of you have ever studied the eye. I have not. My wife loves it. I'm like, don't touch my eye. That creeps me out. Eyes freak me out, not going to lie. Touching people who, like, minority report and all that, that's just creepy stuff. But my wife, she told him, and he just got quiet. Because there, I think in each and every one of us, there's that, that craving of knowing there's something more. And so as we're walking in that trust, saying, okay, God, I, I do. I want my soul to be better. I realize that it's sick. That first step is, okay, God, I, I know there's got to be something out there. Because there's no way this can happen by chance. Nothing in life happens by chance. If I throw my watch, if, if I take my watch totally apart, it's not going to totally come back together by chance. It's not. You're like, that's not how evolution works. Prove me wrong then. Things don't just happen by chance. They happen by God. So one, the first step in your, in your faith, the first step in your faith walk, the first step in your trust walk, just acknowledge that there's God. And then this next step is you can acknowledge that there's God. Here's what I want you to do. Here's something I want you to think about. And some of us, this might be a bigger step for believers. It's, I want you to, number two, it says, remember who God is. Lamentations chapter three, verses 21 through 24 says this. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Remember who God is. Remember who he is. Remember that he's a God of loving kindness. Remember that he's compassionate. 
Remember that his mercies are new every morning. You may have had a really bad Saturday night, and the hangover of Saturday is coming into your Sunday, and you're wondering, is God still good? God is still good. God's mercies are still new, and his loving kindness is still fresh. Remember who God is. And number three, remember God is faithful. Hebrews chapter three, verse eight says, Jesus, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look back at those times in your life where God showed himself faithful. And I know some of us, we're in the middle of some hard times right now. We can't even see how God is gonna be faithful again. I get that, and I know that. And this week, there's this outreach we wanna do as a church where we wanna rent every single movie theater in here so that the kids at Park Meadows, the school that we love, the school that we've been reaching out to, a school that is a Title I school where most of those kids probably don't get to go to any movie that they want. Some of us, it's not even a thought. Our kids say, hey, I wanna go to a movie. We're like, okay, which one? You say, I wanna go to a movie. You're like, all right, look, what night? You wanna go Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night? You know, that's when I'm open. That's our thought. These kids, their parents, these kids say, I wanna go to a movie, and their parents say, we can't right now. Or the kids don't even ask because it's not even a thought that they would even be able to go. And so we thought, well, how, what if we were to rent every theater, show the movie Frozen with the whole purpose of getting their email addresses and inviting them to our Christmas Eve service? That's the whole goal. That's the whole goal is to invite them to Christmas Eve so that we have a touch. We're going to invite them at their school. We're going to go to the school, hand them the tickets. It's going to be on a Sunday morning. So guess what? You're going to be here. And you're going to see them out there. You're going to say, hey, good morning, welcome. Hope you guys love the movie. You're going to see them. And all of a sudden, guess what? They're going to come to church. And guess what? They're going to believe in Jesus. But I told our staff, I said, guys, but we can't afford it. It's going to cost us like between $5,500 and $6,000 to rent every single seat. I'm like, guys, we can't. So I reached out to a few different um, support groups that support us as a church plant. And church plant is a church startup. I reached out to one, and they said, okay, we can give you $2,500. A couple weeks ago, I met up with a pastor, and he goes, hey, Jeremiah, our church, we were praying for you guys. If there's ever anything you need, please let us know. I said, all right. So then a week and a half later, I go, hey, I called him. I said, uh, you said if there's ever anything we need. He goes, yeah. I go, well, we, we have a need. <laughs> we have this outreach we want to do. He goes, all right, send me your proposal. So I sent him the proposal. He emailed me back yesterday and said, hey, we're going to give you 1500 bucks." God is faithful. He is so faithful. And I know that there are some of you in here right now where you're struggling with the faithfulness of God. You're struggling with whether or not God really is faithful to you. And there's some of you in here today, you have seen God's faithfulness over and over in your life. If you have seen God faithful in your life, will you please stand right now? Stand in this theater right now. If you have seen God faithful in your life, if you have not, it's okay. You do not have to stand. But if you've seen him faithful in your life, I want you to stand right now. And I want you guys to look at this room. Look at how God has been faithful. And some of you, you're in the middle of one of the hardest times in your life, wondering, God, am I going to make it? God, am I going to get through it? We've got to look back at the faithfulness because that's where he's going to move us to. He's going to put us back in his faithfulness. He hasn't quit. He hasn't stopped. You may be in the middle of one of the hardest times of your life, and I get it. I've been there. I've been there. Some of you are going, I've never experienced his faithfulness. He will. He says, will you just trust me? Will you acknowledge that I am God? Will you look and remember who I am, the good qualities? qualities that I am, and remember that I am faithful. 
You can go and have a seat. But before you have a seat, sit, stand up real quick. I want you to look around. Did you guys all look around and see how God's been faithful? For those of you who have been struggling right now, you're struggling in the middle, wondering not he's still gonna be faithful to you. Look at the faithfulness of the people around you and know that your God is faithful. Say right now with me, my God is faithful. Say it again like you believe it. My God is faithful. So number one, here's what I ask. I ask that, you know, you acknowledge God. Number two, that you remember who God is. Number three, that you remember his faithfulness. Number four, lean on what can hold you. Lean on what can hold you up. Yeah, I have a six-year-old. His name's Ezra. If I leaned on him, he can't hold me. He'll fall right over. See, right now, I can, I can totally lean on this table, but guess what? I'm not really leaning on this table. You know what's got all my weight? That foot. It's just a prop. And I think many of us, we're leaning on things that cannot hold us, that were never meant to hold us. We're leaning our career, on our careers. We're leaning on our personalities. We're leaning on relationships. We're leaning on all these other things. And God says, you can't lean on that. It will never hold you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, when we lean on things that are not meant to be leaned on, we fall. When we lean on our knowledge or our job, we fall. When we lean on our influence or reputation, we fall. When we lean on our abilities or our finances, we fall. God says, you must lean on me. The last and final thing is we want to create a good soul cycle. And how can we trust in God? Is we've got to rest in his love. Proverbs 3, 12 says this, For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. The New Living reads, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You see, my kids, they do things wrong, and I could just let them keep doing things wrong, but that's not what a loving father does. A loving father will say, Hey, you know what? This isn't right. I want to help you do what's right so that you can continue to live a good life. So our loving Father, when you feel like you are being corrected, when you feel like you are sort of under that pressure of, man, I don't know, am I being tested? I'm having a hard time trusting. You see, God is building in you this character, and he's loving you. A loving God will just say, go ahead, or a a not loving God or a not loving anything will just say, go ahead, go do whatever you want. You wonder, why does my life suck? Well, it's because you're doing whatever you want. That's what happens. But you see, a loving God, like this week, I, I can tell you the trust I had to, that my trust in God was tested every day this week. Every day. And that was a loving God saying, can you trust me? Can you rest in my love? Isaiah chapter 43 verse 4 says, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, and I love you. You see, a uh, we have a loving God who cares so much for us. You see, those townsfolk, they didn't realize that the streamkeeper loved his job. He didn't mind taking the big branches out of the stream. He didn't mind moving the rocks that was causing the stream not to flow. He didn't mind waking up early every morning to make sure that if there was any uh, um, land that fell into the dirt or into the water, he didn't mind cleaning that up. He didn't mind going and keeping the leaves from damming things. He didn't mind doing that because he loved the people in the valley. 
See, your God loves your soul. And he does not mind caring for it. But you have to trust him. Here's how we trust. Number one, acknowledge him. Number two, remember who God is. Number three, remember God is faithful. Number four, lean on him. And number five, rest in his love. Take our picture of this if you want to. This is, I seriously prayed this every day this week, or the past four days, I should say. Past four days, I prayed this, okay, God? And I acknowledged him. I remembered who he was. I remembered his faith. I looked back, okay, God, I remember when you did this. And let me tell you, it's so important to do this. And it helped me build my trust. Not that I ever doubted his salvation, but there are t- sometimes I doubt his movement in my life. And, I tell me, and some of the worship songs, our worship leader this morning, Josh, you killed it picking the set. Great job. Holy Spirit led you. Because that was just perfect flow into what the Lord had for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are a good God who does good things. And Lord, I know some of us in here this morning, our soul is dead. We've never trusted you. We have never put our trust in you. We have been leaning on everything other than you our entire life. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would take that step and trust you. And if that's you this morning, if you've never put your trust in God, if you've never put your trust, I'm not talking about your soul needs refreshing. We're going to go on that in a minute. If you've never put your trust in God, I, I want you to pray with me right now. and Say, dear God, I trust you. Dear God, I put my faith in you. Dear God, forgive me for not believing in you. God, it's hard for me. It's hard for me because I've been hurt. But God, I trust you. I believe that your son Jesus died on a cross for me. Lord, I ask that you'd help me live for you now. If you guys would, please keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you prayed with me this morning, would you please raise your hand? I have a gift for you, and our ushers are going to bring that to you. Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. I have a gift for you. It's got some material in there that will help you with this decision that you've made of trusting in God. I ask that you would do that this morning. And maybe there's some of you in here this morning and your soul, you feel like your soul is dying. You feel like your soul has, has sort of has so much clutter and you need to clean it up. And God, I ask, Lord, if, that's the, if any of us in here this morning, that's our soul. We just feel like it's cluttered. God, I ask that you would clean it. I ask that you would bring refreshment to our soul. God, I pray that as we go over the next four weeks looking at this psalm, Lord, that you would, we would allow your word to refresh us and rejuvenate us and revive us, that we might live lives recklessly abandoned for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.